Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today I'm flying kind of solo. I have my daughter, Katie, here with me. Hello. And we're going to go through the readings for the second Sunday in Advent. If you would like to listen to the readings for the second Sunday in Advent, you can do so on the readings podcast that was dropped yesterday. So today is... We're going to look at the gospel lesson, which comes to us from St. Luke, the third chapter. And it's about John the Baptist preparing the way. So he's at the River Jordan, and he's baptizing. And he's baptizing in the name of for repentance. And a large crowd is there. And the large crowd has come to see this strange sight. So you got John the Baptist. He's in this uh, camel hair robe cloth thing that's covering him. He's eating bugs and drinking milk. And he's preaching something that is just a little bit different than everything that everybody's been taught. It's about repentance. It's about mercy. And and notice there's nothing that they have to do. It's not a sacrifice. It's not about making satisfaction or appeasing God. And so looking at the crowds, John the Baptist makes this statement. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Now, I don't think this is John the Baptist angrily yelling at random people who have come for this baptism of repentance. This is a saying is attributed uh, against the Pharisees who didn't believe, who are looking at this baptism as something peculiar and not beneficial. And again, we need to remember that the Pharisees looked at sacrifice. They looked at following and completing the law of God to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so when John the Baptist calls them out saying, you brood of vipers, who warned you? He's calling them out asking, have you come here to repent? Have you come here to actually live out the promise of all of the Old Testament, looking forward to the Messiah? After all, we have entered into the season of Advent. This is a season where we are preparing for our Lord to come, and we will prepare for Christmas, and that is the celebration of Jesus being born into our time, our space, and our flesh. But we also as we live out our faith in the New Testament era, we are preparing for the coming of our Lord, where he will usher in the new heaven, the new earth. He will bring forth forever with the resurrection and all the joys of what he promised to do when he returns. 
And so this statement that John is making against the Pharisees should resonate with us, especially with our sinful nature. Are we going to church because that's what we're supposed to do? Are we going to church claiming, well, my parents went to church, my family went to church, I am a member because that's what I'm supposed to do? And you see that this all becomes just actions. This all becomes things that we're doing, outward signs. But where's the inner motivation? Where's the hope? Where's the promise? Where's the motivation to hold on to the fulfillment of what Christ did, being born of the Blessed Virgin Mary, living the perfect life of living out and completing the law of God, dying on the cross, and then rising three days later to show that sin, death, and hell have been conquered for you. These are the things that motivate us to live out our faith in the true freedom that we are no longer bonded to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin, but we are now slaves to the gospel. That means that we get to serve our neighbors. We get to serve one another. We get to serve God. And when we hear the proclamation of the gospel, this should excite us for the simple fact that Jesus has completed the law. Jesus has completed everything we need to do to make it to heaven. And then on top of that, hear the promise that he is coming again. And so when John makes the statement, who warned you? We should listen. Have we been convicted by the law? Have we heard how sinful we are? How bad we are? And this isn't to be beaten up. This isn't to be crushed and then left to be struggling, to left to be wallowing in our despair with no hope. It is the understanding that when the law is revealed to us, we see how far we have fallen from the glory of God, how far we have fallen in our sinful nature and our thoughts, our words, our actions. But because we understand that we are sinners, we also understand that we have a Savior, the one who has forgiven us, the one who has promised us life, the one who has promised to bring us back in the restored relationship with God our Father. And of course, this is Jesus, the one that John the Baptist is pointing to, the one that John the Baptist is showing us, this is the way, this is the truth, this is the life. And only in him can we have the promise of hope, the promise of salvation. And this, only in him can we have the excitement of the end, the excitement of knowing that he is coming again to bring all of us into perfect relationship with him in the great and wonderment of eternity. And again, I, I really appreciate what John says. Don't look to your heritage. Don't look to yourself saying, I'm good enough, or I have good enough things in, in me, or I come from a good family, and so on and so forth because we are all born sinful and unclean. Okay, so Katie wants to interrupt my rant. She has a, a question or a statement. So when you say that they, th 
thought that they had good enough families. Were they all descendants of Abraham? Or is it more like you go to church and you believe, so then you are adopted into the family of Abraham? That's a good question. And because we don't know who these individual Pharisees are, um, you know, I, I can, well, first of all, I am absolutely sure that they're Jews. And because they're Jews, they're going to come from the descendancy of Abraham. And with this, they have this heritage. They have this nationality. They have this promise of being the chosen people of God through Abraham. But now they're looking at someone else and saying, I have Abraham. They're not looking and saying, I have Christ. I have God. I have forgiveness. They are looking and writing on what has been given to Abraham instead of what has been given to them. Now, we can take this one of two ways. Are they looking to Abraham and saying, Abraham saved me? Or are they looking at the promise given to Abraham is the promise I have, and I'm looking for that fulfillment in Christ? And I'm going to say the Pharisees were looking at Abraham is my father, and because of him, I am saved, not because of the promise given to Abraham. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you have anything else connected to that? Um, so it was just the Pharisees walking over and seeing what John was doing. Was it any of their followers, or was everybody else pretty... I don't know, excited to come, and the Pharisees just came along questioning everything? That's another really good question. The Pharisees, and we really have to stress, it's so easy to beat them up. Oh, the bad Pharisees, they're trying to oppress uh, John the Baptist, and they're trying to oppress Jesus. After all, they are actively seeking to kill Jesus later in his ministry. But they're doing what they've been taught. They are to preach the law, and they are to guard the law. That means telling you, hey, you need to do it this way. You need to make these sacrifices and, and so on and so forth. But they're doing this to help you have a better relationship in the kingdom of God, in Israel. But it's all through works. And so in the context of this text, you have John the Baptist baptizing and large crowds are going out because he is preaching something that is different than what the Pharisees were preaching. So the Pharisees are preaching law, do this, do this, do this, be perfect. And John the Baptist is saying, here's forgiveness. I know you're not perfect, but Jesus loves you anyway. And Jesus wants to help you in your sinful life. Now, this doesn't mean that you can continue in your sinful life. That's called gospel reductionism, and that's never a good thing. It's like saying, oops, my mistake, and then moving on. He's talking about repentance and changing your ways. And the Pharisees are saying, do the law better. And, and that doesn't help because we can't do the law better. We can never do it in the way God wants us to do it, which is perfect. And so the Pharisees don't really like John the Baptist because he's not preaching the severity of the law like they are. He is preaching the gospel, the forgiveness of sins. And notice you hear the law 
And it's all about faith. It's all about trust. It's all about hope. It's all about pointing to Christ, the one who comes to redeem. So, uh, again, when the Pharisees come out, I think, and please just hear my opinion, they're very curious. They're hearing people talk about John the Baptist, and he's getting crowds. And I'm pretty sure it's bothering them because they're the ones that are supposed to be the religious elite. They're the religious leadership. And somebody is challenging their power, and they don't like it. And I totally get that because that's a human thing. But I think they're curious, and I think they're trying to figure out how do we stop this guy from doing this? How do we correct him? How do we make sure he's right or wrong? And then how do we continue to keep our power? And I don't think all the Pharisees were power-hungry, evil guys. I think they were trying to do what they thought was right, or at least at this point. And so it's an interesting thing. And then the crowds um, in the preaching of John the Baptist, they ask a really interesting question. What are we to do? And so John says, repent. And they say, yes. What do we do? And he tells them to actually live out their vocation. If you're a tax collector, don't take more money than you're supposed to. If you're a husband, take care of your wife and children. If you're a wife, take care of your husband and your children. If you are wherever you are in your station in life, do the best you can. That means being honest, being truthful. Uh, even soldiers say to John, what are we to do? And he says, don't threaten people. Serve them, protect them, do your duty. And this was a really big thing because when you have power, when you have the ability to take advantage of people, these are the easy things that our sinful nature whispers, it's okay to do. And we usually end up doing it. And we keep going further and further down this uh, sinful hole, so to speak. And the gospel brings us out of this. Our baptism cleanses us of this. And we have this new hope. We have this new life living in us. And this life is now lived out by doing things of faith, doing good works. And this doesn't mean that we have a checklist. Oop, helped an old lady cross the road. Jesus will love me even more now. No, these good works actually come naturally. We just want to do them. And this isn't to just to make people happy. It is to help and serve them. And we do this out of love because look at the service that Jesus does for us. He does the law perfectly. He does everything that we need to do to get into heaven. He does that for us. In fact, he goes so far as to die for our sins and then rise again, showing that we have life everlasting. And so John the Baptist in this text really opens the door to the life that we should be living. And we should hear, who warned you? And I pray to God, your pastor has warned you that sinful ways, unrepentive sins lead you to hell. Repent. That means turn away from your sin. Even the little sins that you don't think matter much are still sins. And when we start taking our sins lightly, 
we start taking Jesus' death and resurrection lightly. We start taking the incarnation, that is Jesus being born into our flesh, lightly. And we just say, oh, yep, Jesus loves me and he knows my heart and, you know, I just make mistakes sometimes. No, we are in a constant state of repentance. That is a constant state of turning away from our sin and turning to Christ, turning to the promise. This is what John the Baptist was sent to do. And what's fascinating and exciting is he still does this today through your pastor, through your parents, through your teachers, through the authorities that warn you against sin and point you to Christ. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.